I'm Pooja Sharma of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to IBS iViews podcast. With me is Ruchi Lahoti, Managing Director, Mega Delta Capital. Hello, Ruchi. Hi, good afternoon. Our topic for today is the current landscape of VC funding in fintech industry. So, Ruchi, from a VC perspective, how is industry performing? Is it hot or cold? Hot or cold are uh, uh, nuances that come into play. But fundamentally, I think uh, from our perspective as investor, uh, one key thing that we would all look at is how big is the opportunity, especially in the Indian context. And from an opportunity size perspective uh, and from uh, from what we think get, get converted from an addressable market to real uh, real lending, revenues, profits, it's still a very, very large opportunity. Uh, what has happened is that uh, given that a lot of dollars flowed into this uh, segment over the last three to four years, it is probably taking a breather. So I wouldn't call that it has become cold. I think uh, there's a pause that has happened. People are reassessing uh, their portfolios, the opportunity matrix. And I'm assuming, and I'm at least hopeful, that a lot of this uh, activity will start again. Hopefully, a little bit more uh, uh, nuanced and 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 mindfully, rather than uh, spray the dollar around. But uh, but I do see activity. I do uh, hear of investors still deep diving on fintechs, and within fintechs, there are different uh, categories: lending guys, neo banks, investment tech, insure tech. Readiness to do a deal. Uh, reassessment in the readiness uh, of the market opportunity and the deal as such. So what used to take probably three to four months to close a deal is probably a six to eight month cycle now to close a deal. But uh, that appetite is still very much there. What kind of trends are you you're noticing and what are you all betting on? Sure. I, I think the fundamental thing that uh, at least we uh, at Mega Delta uh, look at is to go from top down. Uh, and look at each of the segments of fintech. Uh, say, for example, if we were to take lending as a as a business, right, Le- and lending tech in that, uh, the first thing that we try and assess is where does uh, where does the market uh, allow for a lending tech to make money, right? Uh, so, if we were to look at within lending tech, uh, slice it down to consumer focus, mid market mid market focused, and within that, there are further slices that are there as well. Uh, have a regulatory overarch to see what uh, at what level some of these uh, uh, loans issuances get uh, blessed in the regulatory framework. We use that as an approach to filter down to see where would the larger opportunity be. So to take an example or talk about a little further, say for example in consumer lending, uh, there are there are banks and NBFCs who have already been around for a long long time. So the only way someone uh, can beat uh, competitive uh, uh, competitive banks and NBFCs in that segment is by ensuring that uh, not just ease or, or uh, efficiency of uh, the entire application process is uh, is a, is the top notch. The overall uh, ops cost is also at a level where they can at a scale, defend against uh, banks and NBFCs finding their mojo and, and using tech as well. It is very difficult to compete with banks and NBFCs if you want a personal loan of, say, 5 lakh rupees, right? Uh, banks and NBFCs will be very, very competitive. They have an aggressive, they have an existing infrastructure, existing way of 
figuring it out who is who are people who are worthy of being given 5 lakh rupees of loan you have to therefore look at a, a profile of people which is probably uh, in the indian context sub 2 lakhs right sub 1 and a half 2 lakh of uh, loan size on the personal lending side uh, and then see whether you can actually make the economics work the reason why banks and bfcs don't find that lucrative enough is because the existing infrastructure existing uh, team uh, and existing processes cost them uh, much more than the interest and the processing fee that they can earn uh, on a consolidated basis the only arbitrage that lending techs can uh, bring into here is a use tech to significantly reduce ops cost uh, b use tech again to significantly uh, use all the other data to uh, essentially ensure that your credit cost at the end of uh, the day which is npas are in a range that makes the unit economics work so so here again if we were to look at the market sizing and market opportunities is still a fairly large multi billion dollar uh, market every year and we are as lending techs uh, in the indian context just scratching the surface we can similar uh, opportunities are there in the uh, mid market uh, sme financing uh, working capital financing uh, asset driven financing as well uh, be it two wheeler four wheeler uh, commercial vehicles and so on and so forth where inherently one uh, the lending techs have to uh, turn the opex model around to finally make the make the unit economics work uh so low very very low opex plus uh, the right npas i won't call it low because uh, if you're if you're if you have very very low npas then you're probably not taking enough risk as well but uh, low npas such that the unit economics finally works is going to be the key for uh, for the lending text to be competitive against uh, large banks and bfcs and actually uh, take a reasonable share of the market what do you think of the current valuation like in investment circles we all often say that it is a bit of a uh, art and a science uh, the science you could always talk about the number of uh, users you have and how much would you value each users uh, user at uh, from a ltv perspective lifetime value perspective and therefore how would you want to value the fintech which hopefully will uh will over the uh, lifetime value uh, lifetime of the customer on the platform be able to extract that life ltv so so that's one way uh, and and it was it has been a very popular way of uh, looking at uh, valuation the other way has been more traditional to say okay this is the book you've built uh, this is the equity you require to build such a book how much are you willing to pay the fintechs who got valued at a very very interesting multiple very very interesting valuation but that's just the 10% 15% of the top the base the rest of the 85% i think the market was still probably uh, pricing them uh, closer to what round reality should be what do you think are the set of challenges for a you know vc fund or a pe fund at this point i think from our perspective the fundamental challenge is uh, to peel the layer and understand where the key differentiation is coming in from right and whether that differentiation over a longer term uh when a when a fintech probably grows and especially in the levels from a say a 300 crore loan book to a 3000 crore loan book 
write a 10x uh, loan book growth, whether they'll be able to manage, maintain their edge in a much, at a much, much larger size scale is the key uh, challenge for us to figure out. Because uh, again, a lot of niches get developed and found out uh, in the earlier stage of an organization. But if you have to build that kind of a size scale, you have to become a little bit more mainstream. And uh, that puts you directly in competition with A, well-funded peers, B, uh, the legacy uh, banks and BFCs who are also upping their game as we speak. So that is the fundamental thing. Uh, And I think uh, that differentiation could come in from segmentation. Though in my view, that uh, segmentation-led differentiation is not uh, a very, very deep mode. It has to come in through, in my view, a technology that drives the overall uh, customer acquisition, appraisal, customer retention, and finally uh, lead to steady monetization. Because as if monetization is not there, then at, at, at some point, when, uh, when you start to turn the model around to see if uh, finally make money, the investor dollars uh, are running out or, or are getting scarce, uh, at that point of time, t- trying to uh, turn the uh, turn the tap on and try and figure out a monetization model can be very very expensive. So we need as we as investors need to figure that out uh, and lay out both the risks, uh, upside and downside risks on the table, and then take a call. It's getting to be a little bit more easier now, uh, relatively, because uh, there are two deep uh, and sharp hits that most uh, fintechs have taken. One was during COVID time, especially on the lending side, uh, right? Uh, in the first wave and the and then there was another one at the second wave. So the portfolio quality, the way uh, someone acquires uh, their end customers, assesses them, the risk matrix uh, that they internally have, all of that, uh, a lot of that have actually has come out and you could probably start separating the wheat from the chaff in that sense. So, so the, but the challenge still remains. Uh, what is beautiful at 300 crores, can it still be uh, fantastic at 3,000 crores? Because that's when we uh, will probably look for our exit. Right? What do you think is the future of the sector? At least I continue to remain excited about it. Uh, key reason being that uh, from whatever I understand of the Indian context, and if we look at some of the other international markets as well, Legacy institutions would always find it more difficult to uh, to innovate at the scale that the younger companies can do. Uh, given the trajectory India is on, uh, we could speak about uh, the macro trajectory of uh, GDP growth, per capita growth. A lot more of uh, Indians will come into the formal network uh, and therefore be... Uh, be open to multiple kind of financial services being available. Again, maybe COVID has fast-tracked this by a few years. Uh, the acceptance of using mobile phone as a as a tool to conduct business, uh, banking, uh, and all the other investing activities has become much, much more uh, acceptable now than it was, say, pre-COVID. It was only an elite uh, set of uh, of fast adopters or early adopters that were doing that, uh, uh, do, transacting as much using a mobile or online. Uh, COVID meant that everybody had to seriously evaluate and examine and, and actually use. 
so that gives me uh, a lot of excitement about the overall market opportunity uh, from a size scale perspective across lending investments insurance uh, or neo banking uh, i am fairly excited about uh, the overall context i think the devil like you were asking me earlier lies in the detailing of it of which model will be the model to succeed uh, so for example in the case of neo banking there are different ways in which you can uh, you could call yourself to be a neo bank you could be a payment led neo bank which is essentially payment companies morphing into uh, offering uh, lending and savings as well or you could be experience led where you are uh, you are offering what uh, a complete digital and much more superior experience to current banking services or you could come in from a credit model as well where uh, you've you've proven how credit works uh, at scale and now you're also adding other products like savings uh, insurance investments and so on to transition to become a neo bank right uh, and there as investors our challenge would be to uh, to have the conviction behind which of these three models would work any of them could work none of them could work uh, only that conviction will translate to our dollars getting invested so at the end of 5 7 years uh, everybody uh, looking to exit out of company to someone else would uh, would get benchmarked on how much are you earning out of consumer is that at par with the industry standard can you generate uh, reasonable profits out of that or you have uh, a profit pool that is appropriate to the consumer segment that you are targeting and the service that you are providing our judgment from here on say in this in this case would be in, in these between these three models which is a more in, investable model and then be ready for the ride